Welcome to The Bottleneck. The Bottleneck is a podcast dedicated to the love of factory and automation games. We're here to bring you the latest news and game reviews in the genre. I'm your host, Dave, joined by my fellow co-host, longtime friend and virtual drinking buddy, Chris. We have decades of gaming experience across a variety of gaming genres and have, in the past couple of years, shared a deep appreciation for factory and automation games. We'll start off today by talking about our first bottleneck, What's in the Glass. Chris, what are you drinking now? It's, uh, it's a whiskey night. First day of school for the wife. It uh, bust out something a little bit stronger. So I'm going with, bu- with Buffalo Trace. This is obviously Buffalo Trace's uh, default offering, I guess you could say. And kind of a little bit on the lower end of the proof scale, but a very tasty bourbon and very affordable. So that's exactly what we need tonight. What about you? Yeah, I'm taking it a little bit easier tonight. I'm still still feeling a little bit of the effects of COVID that I came down with a couple weeks ago. Um, but right now I'm drinking a New Glarus Brewing Raspberry Tart. This is a beer you can only get in Wisconsin, which one of the wonderful things I brought back from our vacation in Wisconsin along with COVID. Um, but it's a delicious, delicious beer. Pretty sweet, but not ridiculously so. It's got a nice tartness to it. Um, it's a framboise. And yeah, it's just a very, very delicious beer. They have another one, their Belgian Red. It's also really tasty, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, but if you're ever in Wisconsin, look for some new Glarus. Their fruit beers are amazing. And Spotted Cow, a lot of people in Illinois love it. It's a cream ale. It's overrated, but it's solid as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of the Framboise, um, especially if you get some Young's Double Chocolate Stout and do a little 50-50 mix of it. Ooh, the, that does sound nice. Chocolate covered raspberry beer. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh man. Now we're going to talk a little bit about what else is going on in the world of factory automation games. Denki just released, well, a little while ago. It's been a little while since uh, we last recorded. They released Autonauts versus Pirate Bots. It was originally intended to be just an add-on DLC for Autonauts, but it got too big, so they ended up releasing it as a totally different game. There's a big discount if you currently own Autonauts. Um, that should still be running when we release this episode, I hope. But if you like Autonauts, you will probably like this one. You build a bot army to defend against invading pirate bots. We're definitely going to be reviewing this one in the near future. I've played it for a few hours already and have been really enjoying my time with it. But I'm not sure I like it more than Autonauts original. Industry Idol released their 0.19 patch, which added a player trade uh, player trade tariff system in place of the in place of the existing player trade quota system. Uh, the intention of that was actually to curb player trade abuse uh, in the game. And then Stacklands had a small patch fix. Uh, had a small patch come out to fix some bugs, but the big point of that was actually to announce a new update is in the works, uh, but they're first taking a small break. 
So they said they see us in a couple months, hopefully with a new update. For other game news around automation and factory games beyond patches, Tectonica started their second wave of alpha testing. And as you'll find out in this episode, I got into that alpha test and have been enjoying that. Jealous. Yeah, I'm super jealous of that, man. It's waiting. I, I, yeah, check my email every day now, hoping that, uh, that an invite comes in. So yeah, I assume they're doing another wave soon, but not yet. And final upgrade put, released their 2.1 update on experimental. This is pretty close on the heels of our uh, review of that game. It sounds like it contains a lot of quality of life improvements that we probably need to test out. Might address some of the issues we had with that game. I'm curious to see how that goes. And then in the bottleneck show, big news. This is officially our 10th episode. We made it to number 10. We're super happy about that. Our views have been climbing. Our audience reach has been growing. I think we said we're in something like getting unique viewers all over the world now from Germany down to Australia. So that's real exciting. Thank you all for tuning in. It's great to see so many people listening to us. Uh, Tell your friends. We really appreciate all the listens. Yes, thank you guys. This week's game review of the week is the Tectonica Alpha. Tectonica is an underground exploration and factory building game developed and published by Firehost Games. Dave, who mentioned earlier, who was lucky enough to get into the second wave of alpha testing, is going to run us through some of his initial impressions. Yeah, so it's not going to be a real review because obviously it's only an alpha and it wouldn't be fair to put a review on an alpha. But we are going to talk about some of the things I like, some of the things I don't like, some of the things that I expect they're going to be fixing, and see what we think. So one of the first things I like about it, so just to give you some background about it, it is a 3D game in the same style as like Satisfactory, rather than your 2D Factorio or 2.5D DSP. You can build vertically easily. You can build side to side easily. It's set in a cave, so you sort of can carve out more space for yourself. You get to work around and up above and such uh, the cave walls. It does build everything on a grid, unlike Satisfactory, which I really like. The size of buildings is not too ridiculous and not too unreasonably small either. It's all like very solid and workable. It feels pretty good. It's, you know, sometimes it can be a little hard to walk around your production lines when you build things close together, but that is true of pretty much all these games and it only makes sense. There is a jetpack that you unlock pretty early on, which is nice. So I really like sort of the general feel of the building along grids and the way the buildings fit together. Yeah, I noticed watching your stream the other night that it was that was one of the first things that was apparent was the gridded building and it seemed to help, you know, lay out and organize uh the different 
assemblers or threshers and whatnot, right? So I thought that was pretty neat and hopefully is a good build system going forward. Yeah. Um, as with most of this type of game, the controls did take a little bit of getting used to. I really struggled early on with the conveyor belts, the way they are placed and rotate. But as I kept playing, they got more hours into it. It really started clicking. I'm a, a bit of a wizard with conveyor belts now, if I do say so myself. And yeah, I mean, it's already, you know, several hours into it. I'm already better at building in this than I was, am in Satisfactory. And there are surprisingly few bugs involved in building things. I didn't run into many issues with like clipping or trying to build things and and not going in the right spot or anything, anything weird like that. Now, it, it looked when you were building them that you can like start it and drag it out and then turn it and it kind of saves that place. And then you can go up and down or drag it out some more and turn it. And it seems like you can zigzag pretty easily in planning it out before you finally hit finish or build, right? Yeah, it's honestly some of the best, the, the conveyor belts once I got the hang of it. It's some of the best feeling conveyor belt building I've seen in any of these games. Nice. I do wish that it had something like in DSP where you could change the elevation of them easily. But it's sort of their intention that in order to change the elevation, you need to build supports manually rather than having it be automatic. So that um, it makes sense. But it is the one thing about it that I'm a little bit less keen on. You mean it's not like DSP where you could just make a a belt that's, you know, 20 meters off the ground and just zips around the entire planet floating in air? Well, you kind of can, but you need some stuff under it first, and then you can remove that <laughs> stuff and you're fine. Oh, okay. Um, the, the focus on exploration, it's one of the big things they talk about, is pretty neat. It adds some interesting things to do while you're waiting for things to get produced. I'm looking forward to there being more things to scan. So the way the exploration works is part of how you unlock new technology, new buildings and such is you go around and you scan artifacts that are left laying around on this world. And as you scan those, you'll unlock new things that you can find in the tech tree. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a neat system. And, you know, the story right now isn't, really in place or some very very initial pieces of it but they've said that the story is going to be a major focus of the game and i definitely look forward to seeing how that works it can also take a very long time to produce everything you need for the next terminal upgrade um, so the progression there's a tech tree you unlock different layers of it by pumping a bunch of resources in to repair these different terminals throughout the world. It's a lot like upgrading the hub in Satisfactory. Um, but yeah, like my first terminal upgrade on the second terminal, Terminal Victor, takes a lot of stuff to, to produce first, which I automated, but like, you know, there was one thing you needed a thousand of. And I think if you're, one assembler is producing it at max speed. It's like one every two or four seconds, something like that. I, th I think it was four seconds. It just it it felt like it was taking forever to build it. 
which gave me time to explore the world a little bit, but it was still annoying. Yeah, that's only what, 15 per minute. That definitely would take a while to accumulate a thousand of them. Yeah, I think it was two. I think it was 30 per minute, but still. So that's a long time, but I, but I like it too, because, you know, I, I love Factorio, but the fact is a speedrunner can get through it in an hour and 35 minutes nowadays, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the path to the end game is almost too short. So, but hopefully, you know, hopefully there's a good balance too, because you don't want it to be like satisfactory where you got to play 80 hours or something, you know. Yep. To get your production up enough to get to the end game. Yeah. Yeah. One of the places where it felt a little more like an alpha than some of the other areas was the user interface. In the production buildings, you don't get a whole lot of information about them. You don't it doesn't tell you like how much is being produced per minute or how long it takes to produce something. In the manually crafting menu, you can see like, you know, that this takes four seconds to produce or whatever. But yeah, the production building UI is bare bones, and hopefully they're going to be upgrading that. In general, the UI is just a little bit clunky and bulky, but I do like the feel of it. It kind of feels like you're in like a 90s sci-fi movie sort of thing, and just, you know, just like the the way it's set up, the the different... The different art and the the images it's all a little bit like tiny bit washed out feels a little bit retro it's 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 a good aesthetic they just need to clean it up a little could you compare it to like uh like a fallout series type of look and feel um it newer it's than not that? as it's not quite as like polished as fallout but i don't know i yeah It's not quite the same as that. It's more, it's more like grainy and I don't know, more like alien. It feels like to me almost. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and another UI issue I had was that you've got toolbars at the bottom of the screen. You can like scroll through them and use one through zero and F one through F ten to make selections from. Um. You know, I found myself memorizing where a few of the things I wanted to build were and pressing the hotkey directly for that. But a lot of the production buildings I needed to scroll through and have it tell me which building I was on having selected before I could figure out which building it was on my toolbar. They don't, yeah, maybe, maybe I, I'll get used to the differentiation between the buildings and the little icons over time, but they look fairly similar. They're not really that distinctive. It's not obvious that that is an assembler or that is a smelter on the little icons. Yeah, it sounds like with the other controls, it might just come with a little bit of time and playing. Probably, but it's something that I feel like they are probably going to polish a little bit, I hope. Is there, does it feel like there's room at the bottom of the screen to increase the size of the icons at least? or? Um, for like a setting maybe that in, increases the size of it. There might be. I just feel like it would be better to do something to make things a little more distinctive. But I don't know exactly what that is. So maybe it's not feasible. Um, one thing. So you start the game and you can immediately start harvesting biomass from these plants that are laying around. 
and I got a little worried it was going to be all satisfactory where you need to run on biomass, you just have to manually harvest it. You had a lot of busy work early on in the game. But there are buildings, planters and threshers that let you uh, automatically produce biomass, which was a really nice touch, I thought. Um, But it's a little bit annoying to set up the infrastructure for it. You need filter inserters to make it viable, to automate everything. It takes a little while to get that running. You need biomass to make um, like computer chips that you need to use to make the like research cores and things like that. So, and you also need them to fuel your smelters and miners early on. Eventually, I think you unlock electric versions of those. But in the early game, you have to set up a lot of biomass production to to do all this stuff. And it's a little bit tedious to do that, but not as tedious as running around collecting it and having to feed your buildings and having to take breaks to do that. I'd rather be exploring for exploring's sake. Did you notice if uh, if it grows back over time, or if it's static, like satisfactory, where once you grab a cut down a tree or grab grass off the ground, it's permanently gone? I don't know that one. I'd be curious to see. But you know, you do get seeds from things, and you can stick them in planters to to keep building more. So. It does regrow. I just don't know if it regrows in the environment. Gotcha. Yeah. And on the topic of those production cores and research, um, I like the way they set it up. So in your research tree, you need to scan certain things to unlock them before you can actually research them. And then you've got these production cores that feel almost a little bit like final upgrades memory, where you spend your cores... Uh, more or less, you you build the cores. They're an actual building in the environment. Uh, they take up one one block, and then you uh, you can unlock technology based on how many cores you have. Like if you have ten cores free, you can you know get a technology that costs ten or less, and it'll occupy that many cores. I believe you can also deactivate things that you've researched, but you can always just build more cores. You're not really limited, but by it the way you are with memory and final upgrade. Um, yeah, you just build more cores and you can research more. And I've never had to deactivate anything in order to get something I need. I've always just built more cores. Does the cost go up over time? Like the number of cores you need per research? It does, yeah. Like the first few, you know, are of like four to six to eight, somewhere in that range. And then some of the ones in the second round are like 10 to 16. And it looks like that's going to keep going up over time. Uh, I don't know if there are other types of cores in the game yet, but it seems, I don't know, it seems clear to me that it, they expect to add other types of cores if they haven't already. Um, but we'll see where that goes. Nice. I like that idea. And I like that it's easier to ob- obtain them, right? Um, yeah. It's not locked to, uh, like, that's one of the beefs we talked about last time with Final Upgrade was. You have to keep upgrading planets and you get to a point where you can't make what you need to upgrade. So that's cool. You can just place more down. It's just a matter of building them. Yep. Yeah, but one thing that is annoying in the stage of the game that I'm at right now, when I'm almost to unlocking the first round of upgrades for the 
second terminal. There's a lot of overlap between the production core intermediates uh, and what you need to produce those production cores and what you need to stick in the first terminal upgrade. Like I need a thousand of those, uh, some kind of chip. And those are also one of the main things you use to build production cores. So I sort of have to juggle whether I want to get more tech right now or upgrade my terminal. Um, or just, just grow that factory a little bit more. Or just grow that factory. <laughs> I, I have been working on that. Yeah, that's one of those that you're going to learn is how big you need to make those intermediate plants to feed everything. Right? It's yeah. just a learning, learning curve. But it sounds to me like a challenge more than annoying. Like, oh, I see what the challenge is in the game now. Yeah, and you know, on the topic of growing the factory, it was getting really annoying on my initial couple playthroughs dealing with the crank generators in the game. So like the power production in general, I think needs some work, but I think they're actively working on it. I, you know, the, what, what we're seeing in alpha is not anywhere near the finished product for power production throughout the game, I believe. Uh, but basically there are these crank generators and you can turn them on, you can turn the crank and it provides five minutes of power. And then eventually after you've got terminal Victor, the terminal I'm on, like the terminal upgrade I get now will allow you to research water wheels, which will automatically turn your cranks, which will be nice. Um, but these crank generators, each one only provides 64 megawatts of power. I believe it, they're kilowatts, 64 kilowatts. And your assembler buildings each use 32 kilowatts of power. So basically one crank generator can power two assemblers. And I was getting really annoyed building more crank generators and going back and having to click them all again every five minutes. There's a way to connect them too so that they theoretically all start again at once when you turn one of the cranks. But apparently there's a bug in it and it's not working yet in alpha. And then I discovered that because their power isn't really ready for prime time. They also set up the terminals so that they produce like, I think Terminal Victor, the second terminal provides 9,000 uh, kilowatts of power. That's like, all I needed to do was connect my power floors, which is how power gets transmitted, which is way better than power poles and things like that, for the record. Um, but all I needed to do was connect my power floors from my fa factory to the terminal and I have more than enough power to power a giant factory. I didn't learn that until my last playthrough, uh, when, after I read through some of the alpha stuff, and someone mentioned it there on the Discord that the, uh, the terminals produce power. So that's going to help my factory grow a lot. That was my main limiter earlier on, was the power. Yeah, I love the idea of the power floors. When I was watching you the other night on the stream, and, you know, you... It's real easy to build the floor, just drag it out, builds, you know, a grid of them, and it gives you the perfect grid to build on as well. You know, all the buildings are one by one, two by two, etc. right? Yep. So the power floor already has the grid built in and seemed to really help facilitate planning and building. Yes, it's really not like satisfactory system. where your foundations are like, you know, a third the width and a quarter the or three quarters the depth yeah. of a assembler or whatever. It's just yeah, it all it all makes sense. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, there's not a single building that fits within a single foundation or a yeah. two by two foundation. 
It's very awkward sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, so that power, I love the power transmission. The floors are great, but the power production definitely needs a little bit of work. Um, some of the recipes also need some balancing. There's a lot of stuff that like, you know, you use two inputs and you get like four or five or ten output items. It's just some some ways it's, it can be a little funky in some areas. Um, I like that, you know, you turn you can turn one mechanical part and one copper brick into like two copper parts or something. It's it's neat that it like simulates breaking things down into multiple of something. But with the speed that the inserters work, even the fast inserters, it can be a little annoying. Like when you're producing power floors in an assembler, it takes in like two, two intermediate products and it turns out 10 power floors at a time. Well, the building fills up after doing this twice and you're in one lonely inserter that you can use to stick it into, it into a storage is working its way, working, working, working. And doing like, I don't know, the, the inserter speed is too slow. That's what I'm trying to say here. And I, yeah, it, that just needs some, some rebalancing, I think. Even the fast inserters aren't that fast. I wonder how much of it is the animation speed and how much of it is just you know, intentional. Now, does it look like on the tech... Can you see like future tech tree stuff that you can unlock? Like, can you see if there's better inserters, stack inserters, or something that's on the roadmap? Yeah, there is a stack inserter. I haven't unlocked it yet. Like, I need to get my next terminal unlocked, and I need to find one to scan out in the world somewhere. Um, but yeah, and, and that'll definitely help with things like that for sure. But so, needless to say, you're early on. It's a bit annoying. I was gonna say, needless to say, you're at the you're still in the Mark One inserters, or you know. Yeah, well, so I unlocked. You know, you start with a basic inserter once you scan those, and then you get a fast inserter and a long inserter um, pretty quickly. But the long inserters are also quite slow, and the fast inserter is not as fast as I'd like it to be. Yeah, and, and there's a filter inserter too, which is necessary for some things, but is also pretty slow. It sounds like you're still early game, that there's more to come, so... Definitely. Definitely the challenges with any of these games, right? I mean, DSP yep. have the Mark I sorters, Factorio have the yellow inserters, or the burner inserters are even slower, you know? Yep. Just as you go, things will speed up. Yep, and I'm definitely looking forward to playing some more this week and getting further along, giving some good feedback on the alpha. Uh, last point is about world manipulation um the mole is like a portable black hole generator i think is the idea um it's what you use to sort of carve up the world around you it's a little difficult to use you unlock it really early on uh, before you unlock it the game gives you a pickaxe you need to use to like chisel your way out of your initial room and then like you almost immediately get the mole and the pickaxe becomes absolutely completely worthless not even sure why it's really in the game honestly it just yeah it seems a little bit like busy work and uh they did it because everybody has a pickaxe well you gotta start somewhere right 
I guess. But maybe you could just start me off with the mole instead. So that is really my initial impressions. I've been having a ton of fun with it. Um, I, you know, it's the mark of a good factory game is designing the factory when you're not actually playing the game, which I've definitely been doing. I've been thinking about how to expand and what I'm going to be doing next when I'm not playing. So it's definitely got that that magic in there. I'm excited to see how much better it can get because it's already honestly a pretty darn good game. All right, so then where can you find Tectonica? Um, they do have a website for the game, tectonicagame.com. They have a Discord, and you can wish list it on Steam right now to get notified when the game is eventually released. It is in alpha right now, but Firehose is working through uh, releasing more and more keys to alpha testers right now. So head over to their Discord. That's probably the easiest way. And you too can sign up for the alpha and maybe you'll get lucky and get a key as well. If not, uh, stay tuned to the future. Do you have any yep. last thoughts, Dave? Yeah, I'd recommend getting into that discord and following along. The, the team is really engaged. They do an ask me anything every month. Uh, they answer pretty much any question you can think of They're They seem really engaged and really excellent to, to talk to. Yeah, look at the Discord. Maybe see, sign, try and sign up for the Alpha. Maybe they'll let you in eventually. And yeah, wishlisted on Steam for sure. So, like any other episode after our review, round two of What's in the Glass. What are you drinking now, Dave? Yeah, like I mentioned, I'm taking it a little easier tonight, so I went... Fell back on a summer shandy. Nice, light, refreshing beer for number two. Yeah, it's How about that you? time of year? It's that time of year where those shandies are good. It is. So it's chillier today than it has been. It rained all day and it's probably like 60 right now. But Oof. I've been dealing with 90s and 100s, uh, approaching 100 with heat index in the 100, 110s, thanks to the humidity. So. Good times. Oh, yeah. And then I went for another pour of whiskey. I got me uh, some Colonel E.H. Taylor's Small Batch. It's another offering from Buffalo Trace. Um, for, I think it retails for like 39 bucks a bottle and probably one of the best bottles you can, if, if you can find it. It's, it's an allocated bottle, but definitely one of the uh, tastiest bourbons you know, that you can get that aren't crazy special releases. So definitely if you find it on a shelf for a decent price, definitely a good one to pick up. All right. So then outside of Tectonica, which you got into the Alphon, which I'm still so jealous about. I want to play it so bad. Uh, have you been playing anything else this past week? Well, so since our last episode... Autonauts vs. Pirate Bots came out. That was now several weeks ago. Um, we recorded that episode before it released at all, um, but didn't release it our episode until after. Uh, but I played a fair bit of that. I've got a couple, uh, three or four hours in our Autonauts vs. Pirate Bots. 
Um, I also got a little bit back into DSP, played that for a few more hours, ended up getting the 25 hours or less uh, game completion, finally. I'd been working towards that for a while, but kept putting it down and coming back to it. So, yeah, a little bit of DSP, a little bit of AVP. And not just and not just 25 hours or less, but you actually got the half resources achievement at the same time, same game, right? Yeah, that that felt pretty trivial to do at the same time because, you know, getting to mission complete on half resources still doesn't really require a lot beyond your initial world and one nearby one. That's true. That's true. But I also got the memento achievement, which is don't dismantle the landing capsule before completing the game. So. Ah, yeah. Got a three that was, for. That was my my first playthrough ever. I never disa- I never. I didn't realize you could delete nice. it. I guess it was the whole reason it, it was, was part of the initial stuff. tutorial. Oh, I never did it. <laughs> Impressive. I don't know if I skipped it or something, but yeah, it's easy to shake off those uh, those messages early on. So, what else yeah. have you been playing? Uh, DSP mostly. Uh, that was probably ninety five percent of what I've played recently. Uh, big, big, uh, big reason for that is my brother's getting addicted to it as well. So, I've been going in and fixing blueprints of mine that I've shared out, and uh, whenever he asks a question, sometimes I jump in just to validate. I actually know what the hell I'm talking about, but. And I started another new new system on that. I think I went with the whatever the strictest re- resources is, like the second oh. level, the point point two. So not the super rare, which is okay. the lowest, but the next yeah, one they, up. Yeah, in the last patch they added another level where it's like point oh one or something ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. And then uh Yeah, just trying to figure out I'm kind of at the point with it, uh, with the game where I'm trying to figure out how to increase UPS and FPS. Um, it still bums me that these games are single-threaded, especially with you know multi-core processors nowadays. You know, because I'm sitting here and my UPS is dragging, and my last map, and you pull up Task Manager, and only one of the eight processors is actually running. You know. This laptop has eight physical processor, you know, cores. It's not virtualized cores. Yeah. So it's one of those like, man, I wish it would, you know, utilize some of these other ones. So, you know, it's running at uh like thirty two UPS or forty eight UPS. It's dragging, and I'm at like twenty two percent G G GPU utilization <laughs> and uh, whatever one eighth of what is that twelve point five percent utilization on a processor yeah. and, and that's it and the game's dragging it's like come on we need to optimize some code so yeah i'm not right surprised now. i'm not surprised that dsp doesn't have that because they're i think they're developing in unity and that's just you know it's a it's a neat tool but it's not really like an in the weeds performance perfectionist tool right. i'm a little bit surprised factorio hasn't gotten it uh polished up really thoroughly because i know they're they develop i'm pretty sure in c plus plus and should be able to get down in the weeds on that yeah so that's a that's a bummer especially with uh i put a a max node blue blueprint shell on a dyson sphere the other day and it 
dropped the UPS to like eight or something because there's so many nodes, like 32 or 3,300 nodes. And all of the UPS time is spent on uh, drawing it in the background. So you have to d- disable the all the visuals for it. Even though it's not in view, it's still drawing it somewhere. Yeah, that's a pain. It's like, so, you know, I know the game optimizes the Dyson spheres when you get to a certain point, but um, like whatever it is, once sales or a Dyson sphere is done, it like black boxes it to memory that just gives you the output. So it's t- it's there, but it's not being drawn in the same manner or something. Yep. So yeah, been doing that, trying to optimize, find ways to increase U- UPS and then destroy it by, you know, increasing the size of the galactic scale system. So, you know, yeah. it's a lose, lose battle, but what are you going to do? Yep. And then speaking of Dyson Sphere program, I just wanted to point out a couple mods I've been trying out the past couple weeks as well. I'm sure this isn't helping the UPS any either, at least the first one. Um, And that's LSTM, which is the Logistics Station Traffic Manager. If you played Factorio with LTN and had the LTN Manager mod installed, very similar to it. Gives you an overview of all your stations. Um, the stock levels on them, whether they're supplier, the demand, or storage. So you can, I like it because I can see which of my mining systems is struggling to keep up with output, and I can go and correct that on the planet. So it's nice to see where your bottlenecks are when it comes to the actual logistics network. And, you know, it's just a quality of life mod. I don't think there's anything cheat about that. Um so Does it like give you the, any extra functionality, like um, being able to like, group them or anything like that? Yeah, I think you can group them and you can filter them in the screen by the type of resource as well. Um, but I think you can group them. I actually don't 100% remember that. Um, but you can't make any changes from it. You still have to fly to the station. So that's, okay. why, it's, that's why I don't consider it a cheat or a game changer. because. Yeah. It's just giving you a view, um, but it does have a little waypoint uh, button on it, so real easy, especially if you have the autopilot mod to oh, get that's there. That's huge. Because yeah, the worst thing is, is when you find it, you're like, okay, now that I know what station it is, where the hell is it? Yep. And then a couple other quality of life mods. These are lightweight, but splitter over belt. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is you're trying to put a splitter in and you have to delete five belts. <laughs> You know, five sections Such of a pain to place it. Then you have to reset, you know, reconnect all the belts. So this one, you just, just like Factorio, when you're placing belts, you can just put the splitter down and it works. And then reorder tech queue. This is such a pet peeve. You have to go in, delete the research, and reorder it by re-adding it. This one, you just go to the icons in the upper left and you can drag them around and reorder them just by dragging. So that's huge. I hate having to clear them out, especially when I... When I was finishing up my 25-hour game, I kept like having issues with my green cube production. So I kept shifting around which technologies I was researching, going to one without any green cubes while I was waiting for that exactly. to regenerate. And yeah, it would have been so huge to have that. Thank you for joining us tonight with our Tectonica preview. If you have any suggestions for us, please let us know. You can email us at bottleneckshow at gmail.com. 
Hit us up on Twitter as at Bottleneck Show. Check us out on Twitch, The Bottleneck Show. I've been streaming Tectonica Alpha quite a bit. I'll probably keep doing that until the alpha's over. And you can also join our Discord, which is still uh, bare bones, but we're working on it. We'll see you next time. And as always, the factory must grow.